0: next year on the Brandon's World Uh, Podcast. Brandon gets in the octagon with good friend and Washington Commanders fan, Austin Arnold. They preview the Eagles Commanders game. Talk over to Deshaun Watson. A little Taylor Swift. They also dive into all things NBA. Can the Cavaliers make some noise in the playoffs? Who is the favorite to repeat along with college football and A little bit of wrestling at the end. It's a little bit of everything here today on the Brandon's World Podcast with Austin Arnold that starts now. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, general ages, you are listening live to another special edition of the Brandon's World Podcast. Today with me, it is my annual, biannual chat. Bring him on twice a year. This is, of course, in the fall, and I always bring him on for the second Eagles-Commanders matchup, because he is the biggest Washington Commanders fan I know. My good friend from Park Radio,
1: Austin Arnold. Austin, how's it going? It's going great, Brandon. Um, I wish I was a little more excited to talk about the Commanders, because the state of the team is in dysfunction, and I got a lot on my chest with them, but other than that, it's always good being on here. The The biannual appearance of Brandon's World with me coming on. So um, I'm excited. Let's just go right into it. And I know we got some stuff to talk about. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, with with you, and as I've always told you, and I'm not making this up, you're you're one of my f- favorite guests because you keep me in check. And even though we are fans of, of, of two different deeds, we agree to disagree on a lot of different things. So I said – Going into the week four game against Washington when, you know, Philly was 3-0 and and Washington came off the bat and lost to Buffalo, I said the Commanders have the formula to beat the Eagles. I didn't predict you guys to beat us in Philly, but I knew it was going to be a close game because I know that your team matches up very well with my team. They have as equal of a defensive line, they have great weapons. The biggest question will always be how will the quarterback play? And Sam Owl played very good outside of the third quarter in that week four game in Philadelphia. The tremendous last drive of the game to send it into overtime. And I know you and every Commander's fan out there probably wanted Ron Rivera to go for two. I thought they, they were gonna go for two. I thought if you would have won for two, you would have won the game. So I'm gonna start with this. You you know where I've been at on offensive coaches versus defensive coaches. I just feel like offensive coaches in today's NFL have a better sensibility of offensive line, quarterback, need weapons, go for it, analytics type football. This commander's team has almost everything you want in a really good football team. Maybe a little bit of help in the secondary potentially, but outside of quarterback, it's a really good roster. I personally feel like Ron Rivera has held the team back, and I know you have a lot of thoughts that you want to get to.
1: Oh, man. You know, last year I I defended him, and I feel like every year I've been on, Brandon, I've always defended Ron Rivera. And, give, and gave him benefit of the doubt most times. But guess what? After what happened week five, pack your bags. I want you out. I think – I have not just liked what he's done this year. I mean, you win the first two games, great. I mean, those are two good wins. And then you lose that third game to Buffalo. Awful game all around. You're going to have that once in a while. Uh, and, yeah, uh, the Philly game – It's stung, man, because we have what it takes. We know what it takes to beat Philadelphia, especially in Philadelphia. That's what a lot of teams are afraid of, going to Philadelphia and winning. But we have to go there every year. So, like, we know how the fans are going to be, and the team knows that. And Ron Rivera, when he didn't go for it on two, or for the two-point conversion, uh, he lost the privileges of Riverboat Ron, because when you – are in the riverboat? You go for it. And what did he not do? He didn't go for especially it, especially
0: on the road. I mean that. I mean that's just every head coach, regardless of analytics. The rule has always been: if you're at home, you got the crowd behind you. Some you kick the extra point on the road. It's always been you're up against that crowd. You're up, By the way, you're on a short week. The next week, Thursday night against Chicago. You don't want to play an extra period because studies always say that the team next week after overtime if they play a short week they don't look right and we saw that against the bears
1: so yeah yeah. we saw it against the bears hell i was at the game live i saw it with my own two eyes okay i i
0: I did not know that so
1: yeah i because i usually go to a couple commanders games every year uh, I really want to go to that Thursday night game. I love Thursday night football. If I know a lot of people may hate it, but I love Thursday night football. I look forward to it every week because it starts your week off. It starts the NFL week off. But that's besides the point. Uh, what happened in what happened in DC uh, week five was an utter disgrace. Uh, I don't understand how you let the Bears put up forty points on you. I, I've watched this team thick and thin. Pretty much all year, and, and honestly, this is the first season in a while where I felt very uninterested in the team. And it's not because of ownership, because this is an evaluation year. So I'm not heard I'm not saying Josh Harris is doing a terrible job. No, he's a savior. The yeah. dude's a savior. He saved us.
0: He does not have to do anything right years. now. Just watch the team and see what changes need to be made in the off season. Yeah. I I had said that when Rivera hired the enemy, I said, Rivera, you just hired your replacement for 2024. Now, I don't know if it's going to be true. You obviously, by your reaction, hope it's true. Um, You, you know, the thing is, if the enemy is the head coach, which obviously all the inside of the ball, I think you'll get it right. My thing is Sam Howell. To me, he's a mobile Baker Mayfield. You don't know what you're going to get from them week to week. There are some weeks, and it usually is against bad teams, Sam Owl against Atlanta, you know, against Arizona, against some of these teams that have not been great, played well. Last week against the Giants, against the Bears, did not play well. And, you know, we played horrible against Buffalo. We bounced back against Philly in week four. I think Sam Howell is a bounce back week this week against the Eagles because it just seems like that's what Sam Howell is going to give you. He's going to give you about eight to nine good games. He's going to give you about six to seven okay games. And, you know, you're going to be seven, eight wins every year. I think there's just a ceiling there.
1: And, uh, you know, I I can – I guess I can level with you a little bit with Sam Howell. And I understand why you think that way. But with Sam Howell, I have seen a lot of bad, and I have seen a lot of good, and I think the good outweighs the bad because Sam Howell can make any throw on that field. He he is that dynamic of a player where he can go out and make the deep throw, the the good throw when needed to. He can he can set you up and win games, and I, I think with that and how Eric Bieniemy has ran this offense this year. I mean, I don't understand how he isn't the head coach next year. If I'm Josh Harris, that you, in years past you have let coordinators walk out the door, like Sean McVay and, McVay, and Kyle Shanahan. Shanahan.
0: How, how and, many coaches on that? You know the, yeah. the uh, Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan stuff, and that RG3 turned out to be at coaches.
1: Yeah, and they're all head coaches now. Matt LaFleur, Mike McDaniels. I mean, I could go on and on and on. I could, I could write a book about it. But the reality of the situation is that I think with new ownership, they, uh, they really do like this offense. And I think the offense has actually been the stronger suit this year on the team because I'm also one to tell you Jack Del Rio needs to go out the door. You can't give up 40 points against the Bears. Thirty plus against the Eagles, okay, whatever. Thirty seven against Buffalo, but a lot of that's hindered off turnovers. Uh, you let Denver put up thirty plus. That's that's not good. And then you know, just week one, week one, it, it's whatever. You know, that's the first week of the season with Arizona. You only gave up sixteen. Regardless, though, I, I don't like Jack Del Rio anymore. I don't like Ron Rivera anymore. I I think everyone on that staff needs fired, Brandon, except for. Eric Bieniemy, because it's his time now to become a head coach. And if you don't keep him, there's an offensive coordinator in Detroit who's done a pretty good job with the Lions mm-hmm. that I would take as a consolation prize. But I think you have your head coach in the building. I think everyone knows it, but I don't think they want to realize that's going to be the reality come in the offseason. Because I do believe if we were to lose to you guys this week, and then drop another game after what happened last week to the Giants who are out four starters, which is again, uh, commanders do a T, uh, lose to and play down to opponents they should beat down. Then, yeah, I think Ron Rivera is out by week 10 if this starts sputtering out of control. Wow, I already think it is
0: because I thought under the new regime. They would give him the season's and I mean, there's some winnable games in there. For the record, I had the Commanders at 6 and and 11. When, when I made my original predictions, I said they could get up, up to 7 or, or 8 wins. It just depends on how, how the team plays. Um, I know that we both agree on, obviously, the you know a lot of people thought the Giants were going to improve from a year ago. Uh, we did not. I thought they were going to be absolutely terrible. I predicted them to go 3-14, 2-15. I sort of expected this. Um, listen, they made the biggest mistake of their wives paying Daniel Jones $40 million. Uh, but the fact that you guys lost to Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod Taylor's a good backup quarterback. But that might have been the Giants' Super Bowl um they're they're not going anywhere for some reason it's like the way Washington plays Philly and Dallas well the Giants seem to always play Washington well they can't hang with Dallas or Philly but they always play Washington well division games are weird I mean look at what New England did to Buffalo who would have thought that
1: yeah I could have thought a little bit because you know of Brian Dable going back to Buffalo going back to Western New York but I honestly thought Buffalo was going to blow them out. Buffalo yeah. is in like that little slump now. Like they usually start off hot, then they get into their slump. Now they're in the slump. They just lost to a horrible New England team on the road. They'll, get, they'll eventually come back around to where they were at the beginning of the year. It's just a cycle with Sean McDermott and that team. Yeah, but
0: no, I, I completely agree with you. Um, I want to ask Gail Browns question real quick. Um, so this part is kind of twofold. Um, when Nick Chubb went down, I think I was the only person in the world that said, "If there's one position you want to lose on your roster, I hate to say it, but it's running back." And we've seen the way that good teams in National Football Week they don't pay their running backs because they have a spectacular quarterback. And if the Browns thought Deshaun Watson was going to be the old Deshaun Watson in Houston, well, then Chubb's not going to have the ball in his hands as much anyway. And the Browns' one game hasn't been as good without Chubb, but it's been decent. It's been, you know, um, decent at best. But the Deshaun Watson thing is strange again. It makes no sense to me, and it makes no sense to anybody. So they thought he was going to play against Baltimore. Obviously, they they work him out. He says he can't go. Stefanski comes out then after the game and says he's going to be fine after the bye. They come back after the bye. He's ruled out for the San Francisco game almost immediately. Doesn't play then. It sounded like P.J. Walker was going to go against Indy. All of a sudden, Watson gets healthy, in the week. He goes against Indy, gets a concussion, and then they decide, well, you know what? Even though he's cleared from concussion protocol, we're not going to play. We're going to have P.J. Walker in. The Browns win the game by hooker by crook, officiating or not. You win the game, and, and now you're sitting there at 4-2, and two, and after the game, Stefanski basically said Watson's our starter. He's going to play against Seattle. And then today he comes out and says, nope, PJ Walker's going to start against Seattle. It it just, I don't understand it. It seems like a disconnect. And I'm starting to personally wonder that Watson-Stefanski relationship. Are we going, am I looking too much into this? Or are we going into Watson, May, or excuse me,
1: Mayfield-Stefanski 2.0 here? I think you're going a little too much into it, and I understand why you may think that, but I think this is what I'm going to say as a rebuttal. If there is a feeling that Watson isn't liking Stefanski, are they going to side with Stefanski this time? No. You want to know why? You've mortgaged your entire future into this quarterback who, when he was at the top of the top, you could have argued he was a top five, a top three quarterback. Now he doesn't play for a year and a half, gets suspended, and you know now it just seems like it's been very meh. But is that just rostered? Is he just there for a payday at that point? I think if there is a disconnect, they're going to back Sean. And it's not because they might not like Kevin Stefanski professionally or as a person. No, you literally mortgaged your future you out in a quarterback who's in Tampa right now after making numerous stops last year trying to prove he could still play and Tampa's actually 3 and 3 right now they're they're doing pretty decent themselves but back to what i was saying like if there is a disconnect they're they're going to side with deshaun but i don't know i'm getting like really weird Peyton Hillis vibes from this when Peyton Hillis was at the top of the world and was on the cover of Madden, and then he said, Oh, he was sick for all those weeks basically because he wanted out of Cleveland. It seemed like I'm not saying Deshaun wants out of Cleveland because money's money, I mean, I mean, that that's just how it is, but it, it definitely seems odd. And I don't know, I, I don't know if it's a communication thing, I don't know if it's just I don't trust uh, Stefanski. I want him out. Like, I want a new guy. I don't know what it is. But I there is definitely something very fishy there. And if it results in Kevin Stefanski getting fired, then it does. What, but um, what so far, this looks me like... me
0: is, and I know a lot of people say, well, we'll, we'll get to it last year. Miami should have kept an eye to that game. But I've always said... If a doctor, if if a doctor looks at you and thinks he, thinks you might have a concussion, they go through all the tests. The NFL doctors are obviously very trained at this point. They they rule out players sometimes when they are perfectly healthy because they don't want to risk it. If a doctor says you you have no symptoms, you are clear to go back in the game. Watson has his helmet on, and this is early in the game, r- r- right after that th- th- that uh, interception that was almost picked off. Obviously, the ball hit the ground in the first quarter. For Stefanski to say, I'm holding him out for his safety when the doctor cleared him, that was the weird part to me. Because I've, I would always side with the doctor, and I defended Tua on this last year. People kept saying, Tua shouldn't play, Tua shouldn't play. I went, well, the doctor says I'm going to play. I'm going to freaking play. I'm going to trust the science on it.
1: Yeah, and, you know, it's just at, – at the end of the day, it's just being conservative about a guy that you've I, – I, I could say it again, mortgaged your future around. They're being conservative. I understand that. They don't want to risk anything bad. I mean, they have to coddle him because he is the only thing it seems like that team has left. Outside of Nick Chubb and Miles Garrett and, like, all those other guys, like, Miles Garrett <laughs> – Garrett is having a career
0: is... year. I yeah. have criticized Miles Garrett in the past. I I know you've heard me talk about it for centuries of years. It felt like, oh, Garrett's the the NFL leader in sack. He'd get one sack a game, and that was it. He really wouldn't impact the game. Now under this. Literally, historic defense under Jim Schwartz. And yes, they gave up 38 points the Colts last week. Me and you both know even historic defenses have bad days, historic offenses have bad days. The Browns' defense is still very good. The fact they're four and two, and it feels like they're, they're two and four, and they're right in the middle of this thing in, in, in the AFC North is just unbelievable to me. They have a legitimate shot at the playoffs. The question's going to be, is your quarterback going to be healthy? Is it going to be wanted? Because P.J. Walker has, n- has not played great. Obviously, DTR didn't look great at all against Baltimore. They had to bring in P.J. Walker knowing that. So I'm very interested to see how the second half of the season goes for the Browns.
1: I give a lot of credit to Jim Schwartz. It definitely seems like being a defensive coordinator is more of his go-to rather than being a head coach. He's really rebuilt a Browns defense that was – awful last year in about every statistical category that you could have possibly named. They, they were at the bottom. Then you go out, bring in some free agents like Juan Thornhill and uh Dalvin Tomlinson and, and some defensive line help. And this team just looks in- insane. Like they are one of the teams uh, as much as I like, don't like to admit this. They are one of the teams in the NFL where uh, if a quarterback like PJ Walker, it has to start for them every week. That defense is good enough on its own two legs to win them games that 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 is is a historic turnaround for a team that had a very bad defense last year to where they're at now but with that being said uh it doesn't always work out like that and if they have to go into the postseason essentially if they make it that far because i don't know this, this could this could all turn back around like they could be two and four right now so this could all turn back around on them if Deshaun can't play but um you know, if they have to go into the playoffs without Deshaun because his shoulders hurt, I don't know if this is going to be sustainable enough for them to hold it up. Because sometimes teams with good defenses, if if you just do not have the help at the quarterback position, they don't are they don't have Nick Chubb. We, and I we, mean Jerome Ford's good and so is Kareem, but is it we, sustainable? We've seen it, lot it with the Jets
0: last year, how good their defense was, and then obviously the quarterback position just bottomed out at the end of last year. From one Cleveland team to another, because I know you're dying to talk about this team, the team on the hardwood, the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I'm going to throw a couple things at you when it comes to this Cavs team. So picture this. It's the night that they lost to the Knicks. Game five, first round. Obviously, they got body bag. They got out-rebounded. The Knicks were not better than that Cavs team, in my humble opinion. So I'm sitting there. I'm laying in bed that night. And again, no free agency has happened yet. No trade. We're still in the middle of the playoffs. I'm sitting there going, you know, everybody wants to get rid of Jared Allen, but he's not going to get that much value, in in, in my opinion, for a trade because this team really needs a win. Um, You know, obviously, to me, the one guy that I thought you could have moved in a blockbuster deal would have been Garland. Um, because I'm not still sure that the Garwin and Mitchell combination with them both being a little bit on the smaller side of being six one guards, I don't know if that is a championship formula. So the only trade that I thought of, and again it, it was a hypothetical was nothing, but the only thing I thought of was you call the Clippers and you tell them, give us one of Kawhi or Paul George who they could choose, honestly. We would give them Garland because I think the Clippers experiment is over. They need a guard. They need to move off one of George or Kawhi. I don't think it's working for them. You would have Donovan Mitchell, Kyrie LeVert, let's say Paul George, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen as your starting five, and if you include then the death pieces they got, obviously I Jerome, Max Shrews, Amani Bates, like I think that is a legitimate deal. I'm not saying it's 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 gonna happen. But that would have been the move that I would have made outside of trading Jared Allen because I don't think Evan Mulvey is ready to play the five. I think his body is perfect for the four. I think he's a Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, white player. And I think the Cavs, they they need more wing help. I don't think Max Struess and Bates are the answer. So I'm excited for the season. But I also have these expectations where it's like, they're probably going to get second-rounded at best and done again. And I don't want to be stuck in that horrible position with the Sixers have basically been in for decades in the NBA where it's like, oh, we made the first round or the second round. Oh, we're done.
1: Yeah, and I, I understand that sentiment. I, I really do. But I will say this, Brandon, if there's one thing that I really like about this team now as opposed to last year, They kind of needed to get body bagged in five, to be honest with you. I mean, look at the Knicks. They got body bagged in five when they played the Hawks, and it made the Knicks a better team and made them mentally tougher and physically tougher to play in the first round of a playoffs against a team who hasn't been there in God knows how long ever since LeBron left. But what I really like about this team now, and, like, I, I trust me, I wanted Paul George or Kawhi. I was pitching Kawhi hard. I said, if you get okay, so, Kawhi so Leonard,
0: you were so 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 you uh now. Who would you have, have have given up? Would you be comfortable dealing Garland in a Kawhi scenario? Because I don't think dealing Jared Allen would have worked for what the Clippers need. Clippers
1: need yeah. guards. Yeah, they need guards. And what are you going to move Zubach for? I mean, you have Zubach there. You can't go double center with Zubach and Allen. It just makes no sense. Exactly. I would have one thousand percent shipped out Garland if it meant. If it meant that I get a Kawhi Leonard that's committed and is willing to not take those days of rest and is willing to go grind on the floor to get himself in a position to bring this team a title, I would have. But looking back on it now with getting Strews and getting Niang and getting these other players on the bench, Brandon, I think this team, if you want my honest opinion, they could win it all. I am very I am very in on this team and it's because they addressed the needs. They addressed the shooting that you go out and get Niang. You get Struess, who was my top coveted free agent in, in all free agency for this team to get you went out you got your guy from miami who's been to the championship two times the past four three years so they he knows what it takes to get to the top and then you got niang who's already played uh for philly and and played for utah with donovan mitchell he knows how donovan plays brings in a familiar face i'm telling you right now this team matches up very well against milwaukee and if they were to meet in the playoffs, because I think Boston is going to crash and burn. I think they're panicking. I think interesting they panicked take. for Drew Holiday. They panicked for Drew Holiday, and they went out to get Chris Stapps, who I, I don't know if Chris Stapps is going to be that yeah, guy. I mean,
0: I don't know if Chris Stapps is, 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 is going to be healthy either. I don't love Boston either, and I'll be honest. I don't love Milwaukee. I, I haven't really loved them since they won the championship, but until the Cavs do something, and until they prove the Cavs basically have to prove it to me that they can go in there yeah. and win a playoff series. Donovan Mitchell, I'm you know, we didn't see a ton of them in Utah. He played one well of the playoffs in Utah. He disappointed me the most in that next series because when the Calves needed him, he did not know we were in that series, and it could have been a culture series. That's what I need to see is Mitchell playing well in the postseason. Then you can convince me that maybe this team has a shot.
1: Yeah, and there could have been some external factors like, oh, Mitchell's from New York. Maybe he wants to be in New York. Maybe all this other New York talk with Donovan Mitchell. But like, reality of the situation is, if, as the team, they get they bring in Donovan Mitchell. You know what you expect at that point. You go in first round. You get body bagged in five. Okay, so what? I think that's going to help them going forward, knowing how to play in the playoffs. But getting back to what I was saying with this Cavs team, they brought in shooting. They can beat Milwaukee. We've seen them beat Milwaukee, and I agree. I got to see it to believe it on the grand stage of it all. I have to believe it to, to see it myself. But I think that if Dame Lillard goes down, what are you going to resort to? Uh, Boston, sport. Joe Missoula is a okay, coach. But, like, again, you can't just ride the coattails of uh, Tatum and Brown and, and both of those guys to go out there and make no, some it's,
0: it's a good point. I will say this though, Bickerstaff isn't isn't no great coach either. Bickerstaff drives me. Oh, nuts. I think
1: if Brandon, if Bickerstaff cannot get this team to my, my expectation is this, you're a top 3 team four at the least. If you can't do anything with that, you should be out. I was critical on him last year. I the think the rotations last was,
0: year were awful.
1: Yeah, and and they have been pretty much for his whole time here. But if you cannot make it past the first round, because each year he's shown progression. He's shown progression with the team. So I'm willing to give him a little bit of slack because of, you know, the progression that he's shown gradually each year. But your expectation, second round, go from there. And I think this team is built and good enough to win an NBA title or or win the East at that point. Because, I mean, if they have to play Denver, we just – we don't know.
0: But, like (laughs) – Speaking of Denver, you called it last year when you came on my show in March. You said, Brandon, be careful. Of the de-. I said, Denver? What have they ever done? They never made a fight. And you called it. You said, Jamal Murray's back. He's going to make a big difference. And boy, did he ever. And boy, did Nikola Jokic prove me wrong. I needed to see Jokic do that. I didn't care if he won two MVPs. I needed to see him do it on that stage from the finals. And he did it. Shout out to Jokic for proving me wrong.
1: Yeah, How do you
0: feel about Denver this year?
1: I I mean, a lot of my uh, preconceived notions from last year are flooding into this year. That team is poetry in motion. They're coached extremely well by Michael Malone. Uh, that team is from top to bottom. I think their depth needs a little bit of work, but if you can bring a guy like Jamal Murray into that set, like I'm not saying Jamal Murray, don't, don't delegate him to the bench, but if you can bring him – and like an MPJ like on that second unit to help out those guys uh, flow and work that offense and try and get some ball movement going. I love Denver. They are an amazing team to watch. They're good on defense. They have the ultimate unicorn in Nikola Jokic, which is wild. Again, it's poetry in motion. They're coached very well. They play very disciplined. Uh, Until I see someone in the West say, hey, I want it, so I'm going to take it from you. I honestly think Denver's going to win the West again. They look really well. They look, they are a well oiled machine that could be a dynasty for years because this team has the infrastructure to pull that off. So we've
0: seen it over the last couple of years in the NBA. We've seen death matter more, we've seen team chemistry matter more. And what we've seen out of both Denver and Miami last year was both at a superstar, Nicole Yoga, Jimmy Butler. Both had a star, Bam Adebayo, Jamal Murray. Denver at Aaron Gordon, who was really that, that third essential piece to get them all over the hump. You mentioned depth and deepness this year. If there's one team I think could knock off the Nuggets, I think it's actually the team that they played last night in the Lakers. I think the Lakers have one of the deepest rosters in the league. The biggest question for that team, it's not even LeBron. We know you know LeBron's gonna play anywhere between 50 and 60 games this year. We know what he's gonna give you come playoff time. It's will Anthony Davis get body bagged constantly. Game after game after every other game. Because I'm going to tell you something. Yeah, the Lakers got swept against Denver West in the Western Conference Finals. But I could have made an argument. And all four of those games that they lost, the Lakers had a chance. Especially game two and game three. They could have gone up 2-1. And they just, they could not close the deal I think this year, if you get it out of the Davis, if you get Andy Davis on this game, they could close it. But a lot like the Cavs, I got to see him actually show up in a seven-game series.
1: Yeah, with the Lakers, it's weird because that team now is a full year with each other. I mean, yeah, you lost your guys, but still, like, and I mean, by those guys, I mean, you lose a Lonnie Walker and you lose a Troy Brown and, and you lose those other integral parts of the bench, but you have Christian Wood now. You have um I'm trying to think of his name. I totally forgot. Oh Gabe Gabe Vincent. Gabe Vincent really now. He, he, that huge, as well. That's a huge bring for the Lakers to get a guy like Gabe Vincent because he was a, a series changer. He, uh, I mean, how many
0: guys team. did we say it last year? Miami had four undrafted guys playing for them significant minutes and getting them to the finals. And if some of those guys would have showed up in that series, that could have been a closer series with Denver. Miami just could not score in that series. And a lot of it was, you know, Denver played good defense. They didn't play great defense. A lot of it was, you know, Miami bricking and shots. Um, but I think for the NBA this year, more than ever, you know, Way even a couple years ago, we kept saying, oh, there's only two teams or there's three or there's four that can win the championship. This year, like you talked about the Cavs as a potential sneaky dark horse, you added in three. Like, I think you can make an argument for seven eight teams. I really think you could.
1: Yeah, uh, there definitely is that argument that you can make for about seven to eight teams. Like the teams that I could tell you right now that could easily make a title or win it all, Let's get the obvious out of the way. Denver, Milwaukee, Boston. I would then throw it from the West. I would throw in Phoenix. I think Phoenix got deeper as well. How how far is that Bradley Beal acquisition going to go? And on top of that, I don't know how much I trust Frank Vogel in the pivotal minutes. So I would say definitely Phoenix. You can't all you can't throw away Golden State. That's another no. one. That like Golden State, they just inherently are good. And then you don't throw away Philly. I mean, Philly has just been they've been good and consistent each year. I don't I mean, know for what to be. For, year them, is for, them, for them, them, it all depends on what do they get back and eventual
0: James Harden trade.
1: Yeah, you can make an argument for the Clippers. You can make if an argument. Out the, yeah. Yeah, you can make an argument for the Cavs, but we got to see it to believe it. I I strongly believe the Cavs could go and make a deep run. Uh, Miami Heat, don't ever throw them away. Don't ever
0: count on Miami. They're a yeah. lot like Golden State. They are basically the Golden State downtown there in Florida. Yeah. Um. All right, last topic we're going to get to today. I want to talk a little college football with you. I know you're a big college football fan. I usually don't talk a ton of college football on this show, but this year – has been maybe the best year I've seen in my lifetime of college football. Just the quality of quarterbacks, the quality of teams – I mean, yeah, Michigan right now is probably the best team in the country, but they haven't played anybody. They've been bulldozing people, and they're deep. But how good are they until they play somebody real? the same question I have about Georgia. Ohio State's played Penn State close. They played it. Notre Dame close. The question for Ohio State this year, I think, is going to be what do you get out of the quarterback position when you play those good teams? Um, I mean, what do you think about – Because I I really am looking at it now and I'm like, man, the 12-team college football playoff is going to be a good thing, I feel like. But now it's like, you know, that Ohio State-Michigan game isn't really going to matter because the loser is still going to be in the playoff. And these big games of the regular season really aren't going to matter as much. And it's going to turn into basically a late November-December sport that's going to have really good games. But that all-important regular season isn't going to matter as much.
1: Yeah, and getting to the college football playoff, going to 12, it's going to be great entertainment. It's going to be good TV. I I can't wait to see it. And I think we're going to find out what programs are better than advertised and what programs are more fraudulent than they're being told that they're not. Like, whatever you want to say. We're going to find out who the real teams are, and we're going to find out who the fake teams are. As for this year, I really do like – and this is such a Homer thing of me to say – I really like Ohio State, and it's not because of what you're going to get at the quarterback position. I think Kyle McCord kind of did all he he really needed to show me. Went out against two very good teams. One of them was on the road, and one of them was at home against the number one defense in the entire country. And you win those games, and you produce in those games, and you produce in the big moments. And, yeah, Ohio State fans are going to criticize Ryan Day. I do from time to time again. But still, I really admire and enjoy – what Ohio State has done especially on defense Jim Knowles has got that team to play lockdown against the big opponents the good opponents that was the the thing that I was really worried about going in this year is what am I going to get on defense against those big time teams what am I going to see and I've seen nothing but lockdown so I'm going to go ahead and say this while Michigan looks like they're the best team in the country and, and rightfully so you can maybe say that they're over recruiting or over scouting whatever uh they want to end up doing up in ann arbor and we'll see how jim harbaugh does at we the will MNC. get
0: to that in, in about one second i have a follow question to that yeah
1: yeah we'll, we'll see how uh jim harbaugh probably handles that but uh again i really like what Ohio State's done this year and i i just think with this defense they can shut down any team they, they are that good and I get you're going into a hostile environment, but I, I I think that they get it done against Michigan. They they are hungry for a win, and I think that if this defense can play like that against Michigan, I mean, there's really nothing to say. I mean, I I really like this Ohio State team a lot. I think Georgia's fraudulent. I think Michigan until they play someone good, I can't give you a good read on them. While they look like they're good, I I don't want to judge a book by its cover. Let's see. Let's find out those harder chapters and see how they are. But another team that I really like before we get to the follow-up, the Washington Huskies. I know they just came out of a really gruesome bad game against Arizona State at home. I love what Michael Penix is doing. He's going to win the Heisman this year. He has been absolutely fantastic from top to bottom. That is another sneaky team that I like to win it all.
0: So – I am hoping for a Ohio State-Michigan battle where Michigan will probably be number one and once they somehow fall to Penn State. Ohio State maybe is two or three. Ohio State wins the game, and maybe you get Ohio State and Michigan both in the college football. playoff. who knows? Maybe maybe they meet in the national championship. I think it would be awesome for the sport. I think we should have got it last year. I I think that that the uh, committee got the matchups wrong. I thought Michigan should have played Ohio State. I thought Georgia should have played... TCU in the Final Four. That's just me. But in regards to the uh, Michigan and the the, the alleged sign stealing, my takeaway on this is uh, there's cheating in all sports. I mean, you talk about Bill Belichick and Spygate, Belichick and DeFoygate. We know what went on in baseball. There's been cheating in baseball every single year. Now, Houston took it to the extreme, obviously, in 2017. But it's not making a difference if you're steamrolling people fifty-two to seven. Uh, in my opinion, if Michigan was three and three or they were four and two, I don't even think this would be a story. And again, to reiterate, I am the most objective college football fan there is. I'm not an Ohio State fan. I'm not a Michigan fan. I'm not a fan of anybody. I I, I just like watching the sport. Um, I think if, if, you know, Michigan wasn't as good, it would not be as big of a story. But the fact they probably should be ranked number one in the country tells me that somewhere above, somebody does not want Jim Arbaugh in Michigan to be successful. But if it does turn into, and somebody brought this up to me the other day, if this turns into the USC situation with Pete Carroll, could Arbaugh very well bolt to the NFL?
1: Absolutely, he could. I think he's going to Chicago. You do? Okay. I so think that's going to the, so, Bears. That, that's so, the team that I've already honed in, on. Just go to Chicago.
0: Okay, so so I'm going to go back to, to, to the NFL real quick. because I, I got two questions to ask you. It kind of ties into the college football thing. Chicago, right now they have the first two picks in the draft. If I was Chicago, there's been a lot to talk about, well, you could still build around Justin Fields. You could trade the pick. You get more pick. I am keeping both picks. I'm going Caleb Williams, number one. And number two, I'm picking Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm picking the best wide receiver that I've seen come out of college football right next there to to Jamar Chase. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. has a chance to be top 10, if not top five, when he walks in the door like Justin Jefferson, like Jamar Chase did. And I'm sorry. I think Justin Fields is a very good quarterback. Caleb Williams has gotten beat up by the USC offensive line. I realize it. But the kid just makes unbelievably special plays. You see it. I think he's an all-time great talent. It'd be hard for me to pass up on it. That's what I would do: out screwing the picks, give me the or out trading the picks. I mean, give me the best quarterback, give me the best wide receiver in the draft. It
1: will change your offense overnight. Yeah, I I agree. If I'm the Bears, I'm doing the same thing. Uh, I I if I really hope Caleb Williams stays another year. And, and, I, and I say this because I do not trust the Bears organization. The Bears organization has had multiple picks where they have been quarterbacks. And they have had multiple picks where they bring in these top-tier guys. And what? Do the Bears do?
0: Well, they, they, they ruined them. They, they ruined them. They have I never been like a quarterback organization. They're, they're uh, the hiring of Matt Eberfles. Say what everybody everybody was banging on Matt Nagy. I said, Matt Nagy got Mitch freaking Trubisky to the playoffs, and 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 you're gonna fire him because the roster is a mess. They go out and they hire a defensive coach, and I like Matt Eberfles as a defensive coordinator. I didn't like him for that job in Chicago. I thought instead of Justin Fields to fail, I'll be I thought instead of Eberfuss to fail, I think it's been a disaster all the way around. But who's to say it's Chicago? I mean, who knows what the hell Arizona's going to do? If I was Arizona, I wouldn't, I wouldn't play Kyler Murray the rest of the year. I think maybe this is crazy of me. I think you could still get a first round pick for Kyler Murray without desperate teams are to get a quarterback. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of bad teams in the NFL. There's a lot of bad GMs that would trade a first round pick for Kyler Murray, especially if they had an offensive coach. You think the Giants would do it if they could move off Daniel Jones? Absolutely, they could. There's there's other teams. Minnesota is going to be in the market for a quarterback. It's going to be so interesting to see what happens when it comes to the draft college football and all of that my last question for you today on this pod austin i gotta ask you because i've been asking all my guests that comes on this show are you a Swiftie? <laughs>
1: uh i've never been too in to taylor swift uh, I do like some of her songs but I I am I am not a swifty no I am I, right there
0: with you but I got to tell you what I this this thing with Taylor is fascinating
1: I love it I like that Travis a Cleveland Heights guy is dating one of the most polarizing figures in the world in terms of entertainment and whatever you want to say Taylor Swift is a polarizing person I'm happy for Travis, man. As long like, whatever it makes him happy, however he gets happy, whoever makes him happy. I mean, I'm I'm all for it, man. Uh Travis is an Ohio guy, a Northeast Ohio guy. I always love seeing Northeast Ohio people do really well uh, from small to big. So I, I really am happy that uh he's happy. We're I think it's
0: crazy that she's a diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan. She's dating a freaking cheese player. Like what, what, what like what is this? The the craziest part about it is, you know, I I, I work for a uh, transportation magazine. We cover transportation all across North America. We did a story on her as our cover story for one of our magazines earlier this summer because she was breaking transportation records because people couldn't drive down to her concerts because there was no parking.
1: Yeah. And you know what's crazier about how, like, she's a diehard Eagles fan? I think she's from, like, over from that area of PA. That's why she's a fan. You know what makes it, like, even crazier is, like... She's a diehard fan of the Eagles, yet she's dating Travis Kelsey, who's on the Chiefs. But his brother plays for the Eagles, yes. And the mother is the is the mother of Jason and Travis, who play for both of those teams. It's it's a full circle. It's like a triangle. You you draw one line there, the other line connects there, and it goes all the way around. It it really is the matrix that has not been solved yet, and that's what's crazy to me. But uh, I'm glad this this uh, Travis uh, Kelsey Taylor Swift thing is playing out because it is great for like media. It's awesome.
0: Austin Arnold, it was always a a blast, my man. We're going to have to bring you on. Maybe you're on Super Bowl time. Maybe you're on March Madness time again. I'll tell you what. I don't bring on a ton of guests during the season because I like to be honest with you, having more of that off-season chat because there's so much to talk about. When you get to that March, it's like, what's this team going to do? What's this team going to do? The NBA playoffs are coming up. MLB season starts. March Madness, obviously, right, right in the middle of it. So it's it's always a great time, always a blast. My favorite and my only Washington Commanders fan that I actually root for and I think of you every Sunday. Appreciate
1: it every time you come on the podcast, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um follow my social media pages, uh Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it now, is at Arnie Sports. It's always been that way. I usually try to tweet out sports opinions. About the Commanders more times than not, and you've probably seen my frustrating rant if you already follow me from uh, this past Sunday. Uh, definitely going to have a – I know I keep saying this every time I come on here. I'm now finally starting to clear up time. So there will be a Commanders podcast that starts at the end of this season, and we will go once a week, year-round. And also, um, Bet the Mac, that's another podcast that I do. So if you follow Bet the Mac, that's another podcast that me and Enzo Orlando do. We are huge into that. We took a little bit of a break this year because Enzo's been busy with the Akron rubber ducks. But if you want to listen to our previous episodes, we talk about all the betting lines for all of um, the max sports from football to basketball. We try to touch ba- touch on baseball if they have some lines, but um, we usually do that as well. So that's another project that I'm doing. And before I go, Brandon, I have two things I want to say. I'm going to give my Commanders Eagles prediction right now. Go ahead. I already I did not give it before so while we think that the Eagles are going to win I I think they're going to win like my head thinks they're going to win but if I were to give a prediction uh, it's either going to be the commanders win a close one and they play up to their opponent for like the 200th time or they're going to get stomped because Philly's mad about what happened week four and they don't ever want to get close that again so I think that I think Washington covers six, six and a half, seven and a half, whatever the line is. I think they're going to cover again. Six and I, a half right now. I have Washington covering as well. Yeah, I have Washington covering. I think the final score is going to be Philadelphia 31, Washington 28. Okay, that's so interesting because that, that, that's
0: my prediction. 24, so you're like a touchdown more than me or a field goal. But yeah. I don't trust race.
1: the I don't trust the commander secondary at all I would never put my life savings or any sort of stock <laughs> into them at all they are absolutely atrocious but there's another thing that I also wanted to say Brandon so I started watching uh wrestling for the first time oh you like, did WWE. I did not know this WWE I started watching WWE and I started watching uh aew I know you're a huge WWE guy so I have to ask you one question on your own show. When should Roman Reigns lose the title? May 4, 2028, <laughs> the day he breaks the all
0: time. Oh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. People have asked me this question. I don't really see Cody becoming champion. Um, oh, no. I don't. I don't. No. I don't. I, I I wanna see I'm maybe the only person in the world that wants to see Roman Reigns versus the Rock, but I want to hate for it. I I wanna see it. I think it's Box Office, I think it's marquee. Um, and I don't think I think Cody's story is chasing the title. I don't think Cody would be an interesting champion. That's just me. I've never been the biggest Cody Rhodes fan. Uh I you know, Roman has to lose the title, the time is right, and um We'll see. I don't have an answer. I think it depends on the opponent. I don't think timing is right.
1: Oh, man. That's a gut punch, Brandon.
0: There, there, there was I a couple am... years ago. There was a couple oh. years ago I thought he could have lost the title. For the record, I did predict Roman would defeat Cody at WrestleMania 39, and I predicted the Usos would lose the tag team titles. I thought that's what the story that they were going to is going to be told. Looks like Cody gets his rematch. I think Roman will probably lose it at WrestleMania 40 if that's the route they go, ushering in a new era. 40 years of WrestleMania, but we we will see. We will see because right after that, by the way, is when Roman would break Hulk Hogan's record.
1: So I think I think if and I'll, and I'll try and keep this very quick. I'm a huge Cody Rhodes fan, if you couldn't tell by my prediction, or by, or by my reaction. I love Cody Rhodes. Dude is awesome. And I I hope every day that I watch, or every time I watch the Raw and SmackDown highlights, that they keep teetering towards like the Cody, Roman, WrestleMania 40, the Mecca of all wrestling. And you know it's in Philadelphia this year, so you might want to go... And and purchase tickets because I I mean it's Philadelphia I it
0: I I've been trying, trying to, and I could not find any accessible tickets unfortunately I really yeah. tried and the ones that were there were just way too much out of my price range it was unbelievable mm-hmm. um, yeah but
1: that that's all I got to say uh, I hope Cody wins it I, I am also before I go I'm one of those people that think that L A night like while wow, everybody loves L A night. I mock the dude all the time. I am not an L.A. I am not an L.A. night guy. That's it. You're paying uh-huh. for this podcast. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll see you guys later. That's my time to leave. So. All right. Thanks,
0: Austin. Appreciate it. This will be up on Friday. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Brands World will be back next Tuesday, bringing out more NFL stuff. We'll see you then. And peace.